0: And welcome to episode 133 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Styman, Pale Robbie on the Boards. Very, very tired from the opening of school. Uh, regular listeners will know that this is the time of the year where I can't get anything done for like two and a half, three weeks. So I apologize that we're coming out uh, almost a month in between episodes. I am very sorry for that. But uh, here we go. It is time for Random Encounter. And joining us today is... Uh, Derek, don't ask me about the ending of Danganronpa V three Heemsbergen.
1: That is true. That's an accurate nickname. Today I was gonna go with something more along the lines of uh I Derek, I'm the blade and you're the driver, Rob Heemsbergen. That's oh. that's a Xenoblade 2 reference. But because you've been such a whiny little um brat, see I'm Whoa. <laughs> I <laughs> Whoa. That I'm the driver and you're the blade. So
0: why have I been whiny? What have I been whiny about?
1: You know what you've been whining about. <laughs> should, should we talk about Xenoblade
0: now or later? Uh, after we've introduced ourselves. at least. Okay, okay, so we shouldn't just do a conversation between you and me about Xenoblade and leave everybody. Yeah, probably else not. Out. Yeah. Okay. okay I, I wouldn't I,
2: let that happen.
0: Okay. Um, all right. So, so yeah. the person cutting in right there was uh, Caitlin. I'm still playing Final Fantasy XII. Argyros.
2: Yeah, I am. Literally, right now, I'm I'm fighting a hunt right now because. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do in this game. There really is. And mm-hmm. how the hell did I beat that game before you? Um, Because I've been des- delayed. I Because I'm streaming it, I, uh, I'm yeah.
1: losing uh, time
2: know. there. And I have other commitments that I was, was taking up, like, a three of my seven days of the week. So it's kind of hard.
1: Rob probably also beelined it, yeah. So I,
2: I
0: did, I did a lot of the hunts, um, but I started to get a little tired of them, and, like, I, I generally, I, I reached that point of, like, okay, I'm ready for this game to end. Like, I had 40 hours of really good fun with it, but I was getting a little antsy, and I also think that just moving around in Final Fantasy 12 sucks, like, going from town to town, <laughs> and, like talking to one person to get a hunt from another person to get the key that goes over here that you talk to the mouse to get into the house that Steinman built. Like, it just, ah! Okay, okay. It is not that bad, especially
2: with the... uh, Can we appreciate the irony that the game that you're probably going to whine about, Xenoblade 2, its original version, Xenoblade, did that thing better than what you're complaining about right now? Like, at least appreciate Xenoblade did that whole (laughs) go-fight-that-monster system better than 12 and we're still going to bitch about sorry we're going no, no
0: no no no, no. I, I we've said that before on the show that I think Xenoblade was the better version of Final Fantasy 12 but the Zodiac uh it whatever the Zodiac Age version of 12 is really really good and uh okay we're we're not going to do this we're not going to do this we got we got one more person to introduce <laughs> Okay? We have a new person on the podcast with
3: us. Yay! New blood! Blood, blood, blood!
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) The new person is Alana. I probably should have looked up how to pronounce your last name before I try this. House? (laughs) Higgs.
3: You've got to be kidding me. (laughs)
4: Higgs, yes! Well done, you're you know
3: and
4: if you look it up it's anyway but uh also don't ask me the end about dagger romper v3 because i'm still processing everything and i am sworn by embargo laws and i'm tied up by the mastermind by <laughs> and everything so oh man so dire i know it's, it's i'm in the worst not out for another like nine or ten days and i can't talk to anybody about it apart from derek so i'm just like hey can i about something before I break.
1: <laughs> I know, right? This is one of those, like, you're holding onto a, a time bomb, one of those secrets that, because Rump* was one of those series that typically just goes absolutely So, and uh, this one lives up to that, and it starts going in, in places where it's like, if I do not talk to somebody about this, I'm gonna go crazy. And yet, mm-hmm. here we are in the incredibly privileged but still slightly frustrating position of like having the game pre-release and it's like ah oh, who do we talk to about it
4: what do we do <laughs> yeah i was in a beneficial position for the first two because i did it as part of a podcast and had the shared experience with a couple of other people so this time is very, very difficult get onto that
0: Right. So you guys have already ruined the schedule that I had set up for the podcast where we were gonna talk about <laughs> Destiny Two before we talked about Dongan Rampa V three, but we, you know what? We might as well just go into it, right? We might we might as well just give the audience what they want. We've already we've already talked about it. So I guess my question about Dongan Rampa V three, and I, I wanna be respectful of you guys on embargoes and I don't wanna screw anything up. It, it was my experience with the first two games that like the cases and murder mysteries that were going on were kind of inconsequential to the main overall narrative of Dungamrampa until like the three quarters of the way through the game. And that was for both of them, like, especially in two where it's like, we're on this island and we're not really sure why we're on this island. And we're not really going to talk about why we're on this island until it's time to talk about why we're on the island. Does V3 kind of do a similar? Does it have a similar structure, or is there more of an overarching plot from the get-go?
1: Mm, I would say. See, the thing is here: uh, embargo states that we can't actually talk about anything past the end of chapter one, and you can't even stream past the end of chapter one. Like it, it has the Persona Five esque lock in place that prevents you from doing it through the PS4 uh, interface. And yeah. but but you wouldn't want to talk about anything that happens past chapter one because I feel like this one from the get-go really starts. Um, it starts playing with your head pretty early on and anything beyond chapter one, you, you want to experience fresh. That being said, um, I don't think it's too big of a spoiler to say that, yeah, it, it does kind of have a similar thing, excuse me, have a similar thing where some of the cases may not seem as important to the overall narrative until you get towards the end and then maybe some connections will start coming to light. Okay. Uh, but I would say if you, definitely if you enjoyed the first two, you're going to enjoy three, no question. It's, it's a, more of the same in a good way but with some uh, surprising details that shake down a bit differently.
0: Okay, okay. Alana, do you kind of agree with that assessment? Because it would be awesome if you disagreed with Derek and you guys could just fight.
3: Cool.
4: (laughs) But I will say that they probably, their relevance doesn't, like Derek said, I think he alluded to, the fact that they don't really come to light until the final third of the game, as with one and two. It's only really the last two cases that really, why are we on this island who is the mastermind kind of thing. And B3 does a very similar thing, but it also ties everything together rather than just say, all these people died, but it's okay. It's sad that they died. And this one does something slightly different, but i be far into it because spoilers. But I was happy with the way it went for the most part.
1: As was I, uh, (laughs) the endings, I just beat it yesterday late at night, and I think Alana just beat it earlier today. So our thoughts are very much still gestating. But, mm. man, it's, the ending, just like with the previous two, it's going to make you think for a while, and I need some time to figure out exactly how I feel about it, which is tough when you're working under a deadline, but <laughs> I'll do what I can. I, yeah, I will yeah. say that it absolutely finishes on a sufficiently thought-provoking note, you know, so it, it is once again a a mystery until the end.
4: Yeah, mm. despair is the word for Dragon Romper, and is very much the word for V3.
3: hmm
0: mm, I need to play this game, but before I play it, I have to beat Metroid Samus Returns, because I'm playing that right now, and... Oh, I love handheld games. I, I so th- that
1: game. What was that? I just started that, too.
0: It's really good, but man, my hands are cramped up playing that game, because they yeah.
1: have to do a lot Yeah, because you have to hold down the the L trigger to, like, aim in a lot of situations, and then you need to be able to, uh, yeah, you need to hit a lot of buttons in that game. Yeah, I was playing it in bed, like, laying on my back, um, you know, with my 3DS above me, and my hands started to cramp up after a very short amount of time, which doesn't normally happen. So I found myself having to sit up every time and, like, bend over it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I mentioned to Caitlin on the pre-show, like, I really wish that I could just play Samus Returns with a controller. But, you know, this this is what we got, and I'm still enjoying it a lot. But it's not an RPG, even though you collect items and your your hit points are... You right play a role. You play a role. Uh, so my question is, uh, I really debated long and hard about which version of Rampa V3 to get, and I decided to go with the Vita version because I've played those games on Vita. I, I really like the idea of that being a mobile game that I can take to work... And when I have an off period, I can play it for a little bit. But when I played the demo, that sound mixing is terrible. Like just the voices are so low and the music and sound effects so loud that like I could not hear anything that was saying. If there weren't subtitles, I wouldn't have any idea what was going on. Have you guys seen uh, any? I, I think you're both on PlayStation 4. Have you seen any of those kinds of problems on PlayStation 4 as well?
4: Um, well, I'm playing the Vita version and I can confirm exactly everything that you've said about the demo. So back when the Japanese version released in January and I was mentioned, I mentioned this in the, the, there was a lot of complaints about compressed audio and the fact that the characters sounded muffled, the sound sounded a bit, I can describe it, but like you said, the voices are quiet as well and it's just not very well mixed. And this has not been fixed for at least the review copy of the game. So Mm -hmm all of the voices are extremely compressed and they sound like they're muffled. So it's almost as if they're talking through a microphone and you do have to whack up the volume a little bit, but it's not going to, it's not detrimented anything too much, but it's just kind of a, if they knew there was an issue nine months ago, then kind of why haven't they fixed it so far? But I don't know if it's the same for the PS4 version, Derek, or...
1: It is, yeah. I wonder if they recorded this at the same studio that they originally recorded the Final Fantasy 12 voice acting in.
4: <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> oh, where so everybody mad. sounds like this, oh, and they're
0: all wow. talking as if they're going around, and they have to get the Marquis over here.
1: <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah. The <laughs> it's, yeah, like, you can go into the the menu and adjust the individual balance of each track, uh, BGM. Set sound effects and voice but i turned bgm down to half or less than half and volume or sorry voice volume to max and some characters are still too quiet like the the music will just play over their voices at times and it's yeah. like yeah you can still make out what they're saying but it's just weird because i feel like the things that people are saying are at the heart of this game like you want to be able to hear those interjections you want to hear their passionate rebuttals and stuff so to have it drowned out by the music is like what were you guys thinking this is a crucial element of your game and you should <laughs> fix it yeah, that's that's a
0: bummer. I I I was a little worried about that after playing the demo. Um and I mean like it's
1: not insurmountable. It doesn't ruin the experience by any means. This is just the kind of thing that if we're going to be critics, we're going to critique that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it doesn't sound like a deal breaker because there are subtitles in the game and you can turn on and some people I'm sure are going to play with Japanese audio so they're just going to read the subtitles anyway. But it is a major bummer and and Alana's right. They they brought this up on message boards with the Japanese release. So it's like, okay, guys, you've had close to nine months now. What are we doing here? And and to go back to Final Fantasy XII, they did a lot with that audio for the Zodiac Age version. Like, it, it's still not perfect. I think Derek and Caitlin, you talked about that eloquently a couple of weeks back. It was much, much better, but still has that muffled sound that is just a real shame in days where things are coming through so clearly. Um, A sidebar, I was playing um, the new Dishonored DLC, which I'm, I'm a little... I'm hot and cold on it. There's some aspects I like, and there's some aspects I don't. But, like, audio remains one of the biggest problems with Arcane Studios games where like I started an audio that I needed to listen to for a mission. And then I walked like three steps forward and I triggered an audio outside. And so now they're both playing on top of each other and going in and out. And it's like the sound mixing is just terrible. Like Mm, it was driving me nuts and so like audio is mm. becoming such a important thing for me especially when you're trying to convey information in the audio
1: didn't pray have an issue like that too
0: oh yeah pray was really really bad about that at times like yeah. there were moments of like i'm around the corner uh down the hall and about a half mile away from this person who's speaking and it's like they're still in my ear
2: Yeah. And you have to be like careful when you're playing the uh, audio logs, because if you encounter a checkpoint where your guide or, you know, is talking to you, they'll, they'll talk over each other. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay. At least you can replay the audio logs, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, It it comes from that level of freedom
0: with uh, the arcane games, like going back to that Deus Ex model of like, we're going to let you go around and kind of encounter things at your own pace. But when you put scripted moments in, in there, it actually kind of breaks and I, I really feel like Mankind Divided out of all of the, the Deus Ex, um, Looking Glass Studios games that have come out recently, I think Mankind Divided did it right because there aren't a whole lot of scripted moments. The more scripted moments you have in these open games, the more it just breaks and just kills the entire immersion. I apologize, I did not mean to go off a rant there. Uh, back to Rampa V3. Uh, so the demo mm-hmm. The demo is really, really weird. Yeah, in that the uh, several of the characters <laughs> recognize that they're in a demo. Yeah, is that how the game starts, or no? No, no. The okay, demo is a function. Okay. No. Okay, okay. I was, I, I was like, what in the actual hell it's is going on? Okay, um, is the game still? <laughs> is is the game still a little skeevy? Like in moments where like. I don't know if a female character falls down and you just see panties. Um, Are we still doing that?
4: No, none of of that, but it is still skeety at times. I have to go, really, why? And and some of the male characters are just, they're not particularly like, there's nothing like panty shots or anything, which is, thank God for that. Like, we don't need any more of that anymore.
1: Yeah, they there's there's not that, but there's like the one character uh, Miyu Irima, the inventor. Her entire shtick is just like being incredibly vulgar all the time, and some of like I was taking pictures with my phone of some of the stuff that she said because I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some of these screenshots, Rob, because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, there were things written in the game that I have never seen written in a video game
0: before. And, like, I mean, you know my wife. I don't think much is going to surprise me. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I just don't. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. Like
1: you know, I can. I have a very foul mouth, especially when I'm joking around. But uh, and I wasn't like shocked or bothered or offended by anything. I was just like,
2: holy shit! So <laughs> they. So Yeah. So they, they, they boldly went where no game has gone
1: before. In some ways I think so, yeah. I'm going to I got to like pull up I, I don't know it's
0: it's kind of hard to beat you fighting your father's testicles in South Park uh, the stick of truth. Like that like it's
1: really <laughs> Okay, kinda, well, that's, that's...
3: <laughs>
0: You can't just brush that off. That is a boss battle in the game.
1: <laughs> that's on no, another level at
4: least it's the context of South Yeah, that's on the context of South Park. This is in the context of Japanese high school kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did anybody see uh, it? Has anybody gone to see it yet? Not yet. Yes, I'm
4: going not to my kind of it Yesterday,
0: it, it oh, was that? so. Okay. It's fantastic. I I really really enjoyed it, and the kids like the one kid from Stranger Things is in the movie, and he is just beyond <laughs> foul mouthed. And he has, and he has a couple like howlers like that, that end moment, Alana, and we don't want to give it away for people. That end moment was so, so good when he just like, (laughs) says, I'm done with this. Like, but he speaks like a vulgar child because I don't know if anybody knows this, but when children learn swear words, it's like every other word out of their mouth. So, you know, if they're speaking as high school age kids, I mean, the kids at my school, like when they think that adults aren't around. Some of the stuff that will come out of their mouth, I look at them and I'm like, Jesus, God, like you made me blush. So I I think that they're going for, you know, a style there. But I I noticed a little bit with that character, Derek, that she was like that in the demo. Like a couple of times I was
1: just like, huh, okay, you just dropped the F-bomb like three times in a row. All right, cool. Oh, constantly, constantly in the game. I think she's very funny, actually. But uh, oh, my God.
0: So I guess the question I have is, are fans going to like Danganronpa V3? Are they going to think that it's a, a fitting sequel to the franchise?
4: Um, it's difficult. I think they'll enjoy it, but enjoyment's probably not the best word to use. So. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think overall I've enjoyed it. And if that gives anybody a chance, then that would mean that they'll enjoy it. But I've come out with lots of questions, most unanswered, some with answers, but overall, I'm a mix between hope and despair. So that's really what Spike Chunsoft are probably going for. So i right, say, yeah. ex-
3: say it's a success. That's
1: right. The... <laughs> Enjoy is kind of the wrong word even here, right? Because, I mean, we we play video games for a lot of reasons, whether it's to escape, whether it's to feel powerful, or to uh, explore interesting themes or stories, or to reflect upon ourselves, like whatever it may be. But Danganronpa is one of those series that... Um, you have these, there's a balance between these moments of uh, tension and mystery and the sort of feel-good moment of, oh my god, I just figured out the mystery, I feel so smart and in control, but then they are so keenly aware of the fact that the game revolves around the the ideas of hope and despair and they, they do things on purpose to make you, as the player, feel what the characters in the game are feeling. Um, I would say with Rampa V3, the themes are, hope and despair still play into it, but for me, the central theme is is truth versus lies because
3: yeah.
1: very, very early on in the game, you have characters who, like, uh, if you played the demo, you'll know that in this one, a new mechanic is you can actually turn a truth bullet, which is when you're normally, like, refuting or agreeing with uh, another classmate's statement. You, you normally would fire a truth bullet to say, no, you're wrong, or I agree with that. You can lie now. If you hold down mm-hmm. your button, it'll change that into the reverse, so you have to actually lie sometimes on purpose to get closer to the truth or to make people sort of come around to your way of thinking. And not only is that a new game mechanic, but the game leans very heavily into that as a as a theme, because it's just like there's one particular character who just lies constantly. like, And you can't tell if what he's saying is meant to be a jest, if it's meant to provoke you, if it's meant to veil like some kind of helpful piece of information that he doesn't want to say outright. Um and the game just keeps going further and further into this whole truth versus lies thing. So, you know, it's not like it is not a feel good game, period. You, you're you seeing people get murdered and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a happy thing. There are moments that are funny or or a little bit more lighthearted. But I think that's just the characters sort of trying to find any way to not go insane during the entire experience, you know. So is it enjoyable? I don't know. Is it compelling? Yes, yes. <laughs> So,
0: oh, that's my. Making, answer. You guys are making the wait for this really, really hard. When does it come out?
4: 26 in the uh-huh. US.
3: Uh-huh.
4: So, yeah. I've got a whole nine days of not talking to anybody uh-huh. about it. Golly. Nine days.
1: Yeah. It leaves okay. you questions, though. I think this one's a little bit more open ended. Which, um, see, the funny thing is, like, I feel like it's open ended, but it is also conclusively the end of the series. That's the way I see
0: it. I feel like that was like a Metal Gear <laughs> Solid 4 thing of like, I don't know, it could be the end. And I don't yeah. know how I feel about that.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, can't, right. I can't really say more because, you know, this game revolves around its narrative and we cannot talk about the narrative, not only for embargo reasons, but just because uh, I don't think it should be spoiled. So okay. if well, I you like all the all first right. two, you should absolutely play the third one. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure.
0: sure. I'm sure we will talk about it more. Uh, we might even do a spoiler cast, which we have never really oh, done please. one of those before. But please. we probably oh, should. Yes,
4: I need to. I need to confess. <laughs> I feel <like> a <laughs> Just release all of my sins and a romper. Like take <laughs> all this despair off of me, please.
1: God, I'm I need a little... to cleanse. I got to play something happy now. You're playing Metroid. Yeah. That's happy. That's. I mean, I Metroid makes me happy. It's a little creepy. <laughs> atmospherically, but, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I need to play, like, when does that... Um, uh,
3: the,
1: yeah, or the Katamari Damacy's creator new game, creator's new game, like, Wattam. When does that come out? I want to play that.
4: Oh, that would be good.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about another game that has made,
0: uh, apparently a lot of people happy, but, uh, I, I, I still don't get it. Uh, Destiny 2 oh, came out! There it comes.
3: Destiny yes. 2 came out. Yeah, there it
0: is. <laughs> um... So you know I played very little Destiny 1. I played the PS4 demo when they did that weird thing where it just installed on your PS4 without asking you. It just like appeared one day. That was weird. Uh and I played the the PC uh beta uh for Destiny 2, which it runs very very well and I was, you know, it's very pretty. Uh but I just i I have zero interest in destiny, and before anybody says like, "But Rob, you love loot games, it's like, well, yeah, but remember, I didn't like borderlands that much like i don't I don't think a loot shooter works i I just don't like you go to Diablo Three, you are summoning spiders and corpses and like melting people with you know uh, eldritch rays like that's really, really cool in destiny you you shoot people. I mean, as, people,
3: as much people as I'm a lot. like,
1: I'm not a fan of Destiny necessarily, but I don't think that that's, I don't think that's a very grounded evaluation to make. It's just a difference in genre and taste. Like I don't care for shooters for the most part, but I wouldn't say that it doesn't work as a as a concept as a well, genre.
0: Well, no, no, no. I, I think I think what I'm saying is that I find it not engaging at all. Uh, okay. and and the way I would articulate it is when I'm looking for a shooter. I really want to feel like I am like in combat. I want it to feel interesting. I want it to feel spicy. That's the reason I gravitated so hard to uh, Doom when it came out last year. Like that new Doom, it, it nothing else plays like that. When I play Destiny Two, I feel like I am just hurling numbers at people to watch health bars deplete. You know, you you get some unique powers here and there, but like it just. It's kind of just shooting a lot of the same enemy types over and over again in the head, and it just it, it's just not engaging for me. Like it plays fine, like it's it's not bad, and it, it it's got that Halo snappiness to the controls. It's probably one of the best controlling shooters you can play, but I just don't find that satisfying. I'm just really like numb
1: to the whole well, thing. Here's the question then, since Caitlin is actually playing it. Yeah, Caitlin, yeah. can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about like how mm-hmm. how are abilities functioning in this one? Does it feel like is there more diversity in combat than it may seem at first glance?
2: Um well I I only play the vanilla version of Destiny. I didn't play any of the expansions. Oh, so okay. I can't speak to how they change things up down the road um, but it it is very much like the same basic idea you have you have your guns you have your um, your subclass ability which you you do unlock uh, there are two there are three subclasses total that you can get access to um, as of right now and you start with one and you unlock others um, seemingly at random um, it's kind of weird like you, you get an item in a Loot chest, and then that leads you on a quest to unlock your uh, second, and then later what? on third subclass. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I think it's it's random, or it's like random with a certain probability. Like you should get it from uh, a loot box around this point in time, or whatever. I don't know. Okay. It's kind of weird. Sounds
1: like
2: it. Um, yeah, but it's the same basic principle of you have a subclass, it gives you. Your super ability, which you pull off by uh, tapping both of the uh, shoulder buttons at the same time, um, and you have other related abilities that say maybe change what happens when you're when you're running or change what happens when you melee an enemy, um, and they work differently and they have their own strengths and weaknesses. But it's for the most part, it's um, I want to say it's nothing that I that you, you probably haven't seen from the original Destiny. Ha- with Having said that, the subclass you start off with um, on the Titan class, which is what I picked, I don't remember from Destiny. I'm not sure if it was added in an expansion or if it was if it's brand new. Um, it basically makes me Captain America in that okay. I get this super awesome, glowy shield that I can throw at enemies, and it will chain from enemy to enemy, and then I can run at enemies and I can shield bash them. Um, for a limited amount of time, which actually, I'm liking that a lot. I like it a lot more than the default skill that Titanus had from the first game, which was to basically Hulk smash the ground. Like, you would jump up, and you would smash the ground, and you would deal a lot of damage, but that was, that was kind of it.
1: Wasn't um, there a class in, uh, that's like the, what, Vanguard, Mass Effect, did that too? Uh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sort of. Because I played that being... too, and I liked it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... But, I mean, I don't know. I I didn't like the first Destiny. I had major problems with it. And Destiny 2 is not perfect either. It's, it's very much just a better-looking, you know, sort of uh, improved version of the original. But I am having a lot more fun with this than I did with pretty much anything um, in the original Destiny. Like, I'm... I'm having a lot more fun running around the areas. There's actual side quests to do instead of just, like, random go collect this amount of loot uh, from the original Destiny. There's actual banter between NPCs. There are actual NPCs Ooh. in the areas for you to meet <laughs> and and, and, and <laughs> talk with. And one of them is voiced by Gideon Emery, which oh, immediately yes. was kind of like, yeah. thank you. So, I mean... It's probably going to be one of those things where your mileage will vary. If you loved the first Destiny, there's no reason why you won't love this. It's more of the same. It's improved. It's more Destiny. If you didn't like the first Destiny, I I don't want to say for sure that this is going to fix your problems. Because ultimately, it is still more of the same. Me, personally, not liking Destiny 1... I've been having a good time with Destiny too, okay. but I can see how someone who just was really turned off by it would say, well, this is just like the same song, same dance on different planets and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, you know, why should I bother?
1: So a refined version of uh, an experience that hasn't been terribly altered.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's, that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah. For better or worse. Okay. Um so no. I but I, I I am kind of happy with things that they've done that they've done. I feel like the story in the first destiny was horribly anemic. It was barely yeah. there. I don't even really don't remember most of it except for a few bits and pieces here. And the story in Destiny Two, it's nothing that's gonna be like held up in the the halls of video game stories. It's still very kind of, you know, oh, go save the world kind of thing. But I was finding it a bit more engaging, and, and uh, it was doing a better job of getting me into the game than the story in the original Destiny. And part of that is, I think, because the opening of the game is a lot more action-packed and dramatic than in the first Destiny. And I don't want to spoil it, although you may have already played the demo or you know watched on on stream or whatnot but i'm 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 tentatively giving them a bit of a thumbs up um i look forward to seeing what they do with expansions down the line because the base that they've created here is better than destiny one in terms of story
1: that's good good. and they don't have to go back in after the fact and re-record an entire character (laughs) <laughs>
2: I mean, Oof. maybe they will. It just says like a little Easter egg, like, gotcha. But um... well, I, When it comes to
0: Destiny's story, I would direct everybody to that uh, really phenomenal Kotaku article where they went into the fact that they rewrote all of Destiny 1, allegedly, with nine months to go before release. Right, yeah. Like, and...
3: Cool.
0: And they, the way that engine had been developed in order to make any change to the actual game, when they changed it to recompile the entire game after a change, took about 24 to 48 hours. Jeez. So, no. I mean, that game was a train wreck when it came out, just in terms of like everything that could go wrong with the game did. And, and by all accounts, they, they made a lot of changes to Destiny 1. I think that... I still really struggle with a shooter behaving like an RPG or an RPG behaving like a shooter, whichever one you want to say. Remember, I, I didn't like Mass Effect 1. I, I Like, when I put my sniper rifle over something and shot and it didn't take damage in Mass Effect 1, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to play this. Like, I, I I'm not going to play a game that does that. Like, that's you are relying too much on skill and then you're making a dice roll in the background i don't want to do that and destiny does not do that bad of a deal but like when all of the damage is numerical based and it just you know the enemies you're you're just knocking off health until they die it's just not what I'm looking for in a shooter but I, I think that they've made improvements by all accounts people are really happy with destiny 2 that PC version runs like a goddamn dream like it, it, <laughs> it is amazing it is gorgeous like but you know I, I picked it up and I played it and I went okay it's it's more destiny if you like destiny I think you're gonna be very happy but me I couldn't have been more turned off to it when I first played it Like, it just, it is one of the most, it's one of the least engaging shooters I've ever played. And maybe I just would have to get really deep into the, you know, getting my light levels up and getting new weapons and stuff. But, like, the moment-to-moment combat feels good, but it also feels very fluff to me. And that's just not what I'm, my my two favorite shooters of the past ten years are probably uh, Wolfenstein and Doom. And it's because they're both very viscerally entertaining
1: shooters. Here's a a tangential question, I guess. You kind of pick either of those up on your switch.
0: Yeah. I, I think oh, I am. Yeah. I
1: think I am
0: and that's nuts. And I, I think that's I yeah. Uh, I, I think that's all id tech 6. Um id tech 6 is incredibly scalable like and they have done like a miracle with that on PC. Like Doom can run on just about anything at 60 frames a second. My old ass PC with a very outdated CPU can run it at like 120 frames per second on all <laughs> 120 20. <laughs>
2: Oh, so my laptop could run it then. And
0: it looks wow. brilliant. It looks absolutely brilliant. So I think it Tech 6 is, you know, Bethesda really wants to double down on the Switch. A part of me wants to buy Skyrim on the Switch, even though I know how bad of an idea that Don't is. Don't do it.
2: Don't do it. Yeah, I know. I'm going to
1: play it like four
2: times. And <gasps> yeah. I'm going
1: to be like, oh, yeah, it's Skyrim. Oh, yeah. To this day, I've still never played more than maybe like mm, an hour and a half of Skyrim.
3: Yeah. It makes a
0: really good first impression, and then you're like, and it's Skyrim. It does
1: it, though? Because that's why I stopped playing. <laughs> I was like, nah.
0: <laughs> it's and, not my like uh,
4: cup of tea. I, yes.
0: I mean, at least Bethesda's putting in a lot of Switch work. Uh, but yeah, Destiny 2, I... I don't know. I, I had a debate with my friend. Uh, we were talking about getting a game to play together. And instead of getting destiny Two, I bought a $6 copy of resident evil five for each of us on PC. And I'm like, Oh, we're just going to have a ball with this again. Cause we played it back when we were both in college and we just, we just ripped on the game the whole way through, even though it is a lot of fun. Like, We're just going to do that again. Although to get that running on my PC was an absolute pain in the ass, and Capcom needs to be shot for what they did. The game still uses Game for Windows Live for the initial launch. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. mm -mm. So you have to download a fan-made fix to get that version working. No thanks. Yeah, no thanks. Like I got it working, but that was a long night, and (coughs) I'm, I'm a little mad at Capcom right now. But anywho, Destiny, it's, it's, it's Destiny.
1: It's Destiny. You play a role. You play a
0: role. (laughs) Uh, I have a game I want to talk about because it's a demo that was just released on the Switch. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Surprise, surprise, right? So uh,
0: uh, coming coming in uh, in our running for worst titles of the year, uh, but it's not that bad. Octopath Traveler is a really bad title.
2: You have eight... You have eight protagonists. They, made they have up a path a word. to travel.
0: They made up a word for their You're title.
2: That's like a requirement with RPGs, or video games in general, oh my, you make up words.
0: Oh my sweet God. You guys give Square Enix the, the biggest passes. <laughs> You're,
2: when they do stuff right
0: okay the game is good uh, give it a different title just just call it saga <laughs> frontier 3 you know they're going to do it you know they're going to call it saga <laughs> frontier you. you know
1: i wonder because it feels very That's much a like a title, tiger.
0: isn't
4: it
1: <laughs> right
0: it is yeah, a yeah. title it is a working title but it's just ah. okay so octopath traveler the demo kind of stealth released on switch they they had their nintendo direct and everyone was like Bluh. Uh, it's the very gorgeous uh hd 2d art game that kind of everybody stopped and looked at when they first showed it off very much like it uh 3d dot game heroes mixed with final fantasy 6 that's kind of the the best way uh i would describe okay. um and so the demo has uh two characters we have primrose the dancer and what is it alberic
2: the uh the knight uh, yeah or alberic i don't know how it's alberic yeah.
0: Uh, I I played uh, All Brick first, Mm -hmm. and that was very enjoyable, and uh, this game has a real Bravely default slash Radiant Historia feel to it. Where the combat is more than just uh, attacking enemies over and over again. You you whittle down their defenses, and then you can boost your attacks. You get a boost point every turn, and you can use, I believe, up to three boost points. And just all of a sudden, your damage goes from like, oh, I'm doing 15 damage to like 1,500.
1: And that's like... It's been like a very Jeff. interesting sort of sideways evolution <laughs> no, of Bravely Default's combat. Instead of stockpiling turns, you're stockpiling more or less, you know, damage modifiers. And I rather prefer that because I found that, as I've talked about when we used to, when we talked about Bravely Default in Second Way back when, um, I, I often felt like in those games, combat would amount to you just spamming all four of your turns for all four characters and hoping that you could take the entire enemy party out at once. This, I think means that you're not spending quite as much real, literal time inputting your commands and doing all that. You're just sort of playing with a similar mechanic of, of stockpiling and not having to wait for all of your commands to execute and, like, wait for all of your enemies to attack over and over. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't know if I would call it necessarily an evolution, but it's just sort of a different a, a different version of that, and I think it works pretty well from what I've seen, so.
0: Yeah, and, and it... Um... It's kind of a requirement to do that boosting. Like the first couple battles I got into, I was really like, wow, I'm hitting these enemies over and over again and they're not dying. And then when I saw the giant jump in damage that would happen from just a couple of boost points and how quickly that would kill foes, it it really makes the battles into a little bit more of a puzzle. Like how do I, when you break through an, an enemy's guard, they now lose a turn. So you're kind of juggling enemies a little bit. Like, okay, I'm going to make you lose a turn. And when they're when you break through them, they not only lose a turn, they also get a serious uh, reduction to defense. Mm-hmm. So that's a chance to really hurt them. Um, I think I'm a little worried the same way I was with Radi- Radiant Historia, where I'm like, am I just going to be doing this for 40 hours? Because I think I'm going to get a little tired of it. But the good point is... Later on in the demo, you can get the other playable character that uh, you didn't select. And that seemed to open up a whole new set of options. Like, I didn't feel so constricted. It- it's kind of like whenever you play a JRPG with one character and it's a four-character party, it always feels really weird. It's like, okay, I'm going to attack, 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 heal, attack, 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 heal, attack, oh, should I heal now? Like, that's how I felt <laughs> playing the demo. But I think when you have a full party, that's gonna, it- it's going to allow for a lot more flexibility.
1: Mm. okay yeah I could see that
3: Yeah, yeah. I I
1: really do get a deeply saga vibe from this either uh, it feels a little bit more like romancing saga on the Super Famicom like uh, 1, 2, 3 which unfortunately we didn't get those but especially the designs of the enemy sprites and the character sprites uh, the way that characters are sort of the little diminutive sprites and then the enemies are these huge weird like almost um, semi like non-realistic yeah exaggerated Mm. proportions kind of thing Uh, I'm really like Primrose's boss
2: reminded me of like a persona boss almost with how larger than life he is. Mm
1: -hmm. I like that. He's just
2: gigantic and um, extravagant and he's like he's holding this glass of wine and you're like wow. (laughs) He's
1: a real piece of work too. I played Primrose's story. uh, I I haven't even actually finished it yet, but I've seen a screenshot of him. Yeah. Permos also, first of all, uh, it's heavy. Like, Primrose's story starts out on a, on a really heavy note. And second of all, I feel like the writing is really good so far. Which yeah. is not something that I can say about Bravely, necessarily, because I think the Bravely story <laughs> oh, yeah. falls back on tropes and stuff. But this is very much like, right away, I'm like, oh my god, I'm hooked on this. I want to know what's going to happen. And it's delivered with finesse. It feels like well-written, sort of fantasy-grounded dialogue.
0: Yeah, it's it's maybe a, a step or two down from the the Final Fantasy twelve, like we're gonna go full bore into that kind of flowery language. Mm-hmm. The eight four the eight four guys were pretty hard on the game's localization and uh and voice acting especially.
1: Um,
0: yeah, I, I didn't feel that quite as much. Uh I, I enjoyed what I was playing. I think uh Alberic's story seems a little cliched, but I hope it kind of grows into something. And I think from reading uh, the little bit about Primrose's path, I kind of hope they do subvert it a little bit. Uh, But even if you had eight characters and one of them was fairly generic, I think that's okay. Um, They're looking for feedback on the game. They they seem to be taking kind of a similar approach to uh, Team Ninja when it came to Neo. Um, I would su- make the suggestion that they need to work on the menu font size uh, in general, because playing that in handheld mode, <laughs> uh, handheld mm-hmm. mode, I was like, oh. I'm gonna put the screen right up to my face to see exactly what I'm looking at, and oh. I I actually think Japanese developers are pretty bad about that in general. Like, remember Final Fantasy 15? Like that th- those menus are terrible. Like th- the font they decided to use was like eight times New, New Roman. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and I had to like at one point, I had to get up off my couch, walk to the t v in order to read what I was looking at, yeah, like so that that I, I think they're asking for input. I have no idea when that game's gonna come out in twenty eighteen, it seemed to have a lot of polish, but then again, so did Neo, and it was over a year later until we got that,
1: yeah, so it yeah. could be a ways out i am I am really glad they're collecting feedback though because there were already a few little things I, I think. Either Caitlin or Alana, I saw one of you talking about this on Twitter about how uh, the voice acting uh, usually finishes before the text box finishes scrolling, which is kind of a Mm -hmm. a weird tiny little issue. And then also, like, the battle transitions are really jarring.
2: Yeah, we were talking about it on Slack, I think. Oh, Slack. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they need, like, an option in the menu where you can change the speed that text animates or even possibly turn off the animation altogether. Because I found myself... Um, hitting the button to just auto display all the text all the time because it's moving really slowly. Yeah, it is. And probably probably to have it time better <laughs> oh, with the, the voice acting, but it doesn't work all the time. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but little things like that. Like, I would appreciate having health bars at least, if not HP totals for enemies so I can... Properly gauge how much boost I should be putting into an attack. Oh, right. oh, yeah. that's yeah.
1: crucial. I would say, yeah, yeah, for a time yeah. like
2: this, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, oh crap! You knocked it out of my head. There was one thing that was
1: really the music's amazing. great. <laughs>
2: yeah, yes, the, the music. music. Oh my so god, amazing. I need more. Oh, and it's amazing. I don't. I don't know this composer very well. I was looking at what he's done, and um. I don't even recognize most of what he's worked on besides Grand Blue Fantasy. Oh, so oh, he, wow. he, he did the animation, the anime version um, of the soundtrack. He didn't do the, the soundtrack for the game, I don't believe.:
0: Did anybody else notice that the encounter rate is actually super, super low, but you seem to get yeah. a, but you seem to get a lot of experience per battle?
2: Yeah, I think they did a good job like balancing that. that. Yeah.
0: After after all the Dragon Quest oh, games I've is. been playing for the past two years, I really, really liked that. Like
2: <laughs> I oh, think I leveled up. <laughs> I think you have to grind a little bit more on Prim's path because she has just that one dungeon and then you have a boss fight and if you go straight through and you don't level up and buy some new equipment, you're gonna get your ass kicked. Sorry, your butt kicked. Um, but then they compensate by making the enemies give you a lot of experience in that dungeon. So Mm. it's, it's, it's nice. And Ulberic's nice and level. You can pretty much just explore his areas and be in a good position for the final boss. But it's also it's, it's nice to see there's a bit of a challenge yeah. with the fights. Yeah. like and, and part of it is you're at the beginning of a story, so you don't have access to lots of items, and no one has healing magic yet. I presume that's going to be probably different characters who would have that. So you feel a bit more vulnerable, and you have to take battles with a bit more of a, a strategic uh, uh, stance. And I, like Ulbricht's final boss, I kind of squicked by... By the skin of my teeth. I was I was running out of items, and I was happy that I beat him when I did. But I could easily have died and had to try again. And I did wipe with Primrose's boss. I had to go back and grind a little bit. But I mean, I, I, I'm actually kind of happy that it's a bit challenging and not just a face roll kind of thing. Yeah,
1: right. I agree. finding battle balance is hard. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. just to because we mentioned the the composer, I looked it up. His name is Yasunori Nishiki, and he mm-hmm. did. Uh, some composition for Gravity Rush 2, but Octopath Traveler is his breakout role. So he could be somebody to uh, keep an eye or, I guess, ear on in this case. It's really good music. The only other thing Um, about... um, What was that, Alana?
4: uh, I was just saying the music was fantastic.
0: Uh, Okay. Uh, I think the... The only other thing that I have to say about Octopath is I look at Octopath and then I look at the JRPG factory game that's coming up next,
1: uh, Lost Sphere. Lost
0: Sphere, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I feel bad for those guys (laughs) because like that game just looks it—it looks downright bad compared. Like Octopath is striking, and like I'm totally on board with it right away with its art style. And like Lost Sphere just looks really—it it looks like a damn mobile game next to Octopath.
2: Well, you know that's—you know—I find that really interesting. Not so much about Lost Sphere, but about the art style of Octopath. I'm—I don't really go for the old, you know, classic style uh, graphics. It's hard for me to get into games that were, you know, sort of a little bit before my time. It's why I haven't played a whole lot of the earlier Final Fantasies. But strangely enough, I love what they've done with Octopath. I think that's kind of how I want like, you know, ye old SD kind of style games to be presented from now on. Like can can, can we get like a, like Final Fantasy 6 like that, please? Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, good way, please. That would be really oh. good. Yeah. Did you play I mean, I love the classic nature of the sprites, but I love what they've done to the environments to make them feel uh, more alive but things are, are moving grass is is blowing and you see um birds flying uh, in the background and the uh, the the sort of attract movie that plays on the, on the title mm. screen so i, think they've, I just yeah. i love it
1: they've got good depth i think is what you see because you, you're moving yes you're moving like up down left right but in a classic 2d jrpg which i still love and very much want more games like that as well. But, you know, those are, like, top-down, so you're seeing from a bird's-eye perspective, whereas this is almost like like you're in a, a theater sitting in front of a stage, and you can see the character moving in depth, like, back and forth in space rather than just up and down, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Now, it, it looks
0: really, really good. Um, it also made me realize that I would love another 3D Doc Game Heroes. Like, I would love oh, another... No. You're wrong. That game was great. <laughs> oh, that game yes, was
1: I, great. No, that I, game gave I, me a headache. Did it really? Yeah, oh. I, cu- I couldn't play it. That. I just I hate voxels. I think they look ugly oh. and chunky. And they it works for me in Octopath Traveler because they're mixed with the 2D sprites. But if it was like all built in that voxel style, I probably wouldn't like it.
0: Oh, I loved 3D Game Heroes. Like that. That game was rough around the edges, but I would have loved it. It was very like out of nowhere from software. Like, oh, this is great, and then they just. They turned into the Dark Souls factory, and I'm like, I would, I'd really like you guys to make another one of those because imagine that on Switch, that'd be kind of neat. And especially after seeing uh, Dragon Quest Builders one and two on Switch, that yeah, could just be play that really instead. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I I think I liked 3D Dot Game Heroes more. I, cause, really? Because uh, did you get to Act Three in Dragon Quest Builders? That's when that game just decides to like crap Is that the, itself. The
1: poison area.
0: No, that's area two. Area three is just like all combat all the time and you have to have like a party of those big strong men characters, otherwise you won't kill anything. And they are dumber than a sack of hammers. Mm. It it that I almost I, I almost didn't review it because I didn't want to beat it. Like I was I was actually ill. I was physically ill playing that section of the game. No. I need Dragon Quest builders to not, Dragon Quest builders two to not do that again. Like, don't double down on your crappy combat unless you're gonna like fix it. Sorry, no, you're Just, hoping. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to get angry. I'm not sure angry. you
3: did.
2: Not angry. <laughs> no, I'm not
4: angry. Right. You brought it up it's, for a reason. They'll, yeah, they'll
2: it's fix It's not. It. It. It's not a random encounter with if Rod doesn't get angry know, about something. I know. I but
0: Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler does look really, really good. I'm yeah. really excited
1: to see more of it. And uh, mm-hmm. I also just was excited that in the Nintendo Direct where it was announced that there was a really RPG heavy presentation, which yeah, yes. like more so than in the past. So it yeah, was nice maybe. to see. Uh, I'm we had Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, which is like you know I'm so so on that. I'm, well, I get it, probably. Am I really excited for it? Not really. But uh, we had yeah. that. We had you know Mario Odyssey, but then we also had we had Octopath and Xenoblade, and so three of the four games that they showcased were very much like turn-based, or not turn-based, but Japanese RPGs. Um, so it was nice to see that they're, they're renewing their focus on that and that they recognize that finally there's an audience who wants it. Because if we all remember, there was a time not too long ago when they were like, do people even want RPGs? I don't know. And they passed on Xenoblade <laughs> Chronicles 1 for such a long time in the US because they thought that we didn't want it. And we were like, no, actually, we do want these. We just want them to be made well. We don't want so- Kemco
0: RPGs. So so you brought it up so we might as well talk about it. All right. Let let me let me be very very clear with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I am really excited for it. I am going to buy that special edition as soon as it's available and I think it's going to be good. I really do. Every time they've shown it, however, I I feel like they're going out of their way to make it look bad. Like just the way it's presented the way they talk about it, it's probably a very, very difficult game to talk about, but like between the demos that they showed last year uh, at E3 over the summer, the character designs
1: basically being trash. I'm just... They've they've actually... Well, not to get into it too much, but they've made changes to the actual in-game assets ever since the E3 build. If you look... People have taken some really interesting comparison shots of the E3 trailer and then the one that we just got in Nintendo Direct. And a lot okay. of the models have been adjusted and they actually look quite a bit better. Okay. I mean, they still they still have like the the very ified look to them, and you can't change the base design so much, but there was that one screenshot that was circulating of Rex, the main character, who's like running with his sword and shouting, and his face is all like weirdly round and glowing and doesn't look right and they've made some changes to that it's still similar but it looks a lot better in my opinion so i'll i'll link you some screenshots uh, does the
0: does the female character still wear a uh, thong band-aid yeah they haven't
1: they haven't really changed yes. the character <laughs> so <true>. designs yeah <laughs> yeah i
4: mean, they they just
1: <laughs> made them look a little better
4: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. i i think
0: between that and the me not really understanding the the drive whatever system they're going for where, like, she's basically, like, feeding energy to Rex the whole time. Maybe it's going to play real great when I get in there, but, like, I-, I feel like whoever is doing the communication for this game is, like, actively trying to turn me away from it. Like, I, I don't know. Something is just... really not right. Maybe I just got to get my hands on it and everything will be fine.
2: The combat oh. system... Does look a little complicated, and the UI is incredibly busy, and that is possibly a uh, downside. But um, to disclosure I have not been paying a super amount of attention to how combat works because I kind of want to exp- um, experience it for myself. This may very well be one of those kind of games where it's really hard to demo what combat actually feels like, like to explain. What you're doing, it may feel a lot more natural when you're actually playing it, and once you're used to what you have to do, it looks pretty complicated right now. But that's because we don't know what these new systems are. It looks like you can control when your allies use certain skills, sort of, I guess, uh, like how you would, you know, do in Xenoblade X, where you would trigger uh, soul voices and they would respond. But it looks like it's a bit more. Uh, you can like. Directly say, "Okay, use that skill now," but you know it's it's hard to tell from what they've shown us exactly how it's going to feel. And I'm I'm withholding judgment until I actually have it in my hands and I can say, "Okay, that works" or or not. Um, so right now, it's mostly just ooh, looks pretty, ooh, sounds <laughs> awesome, ooh, I, I can play it on the go um so my biggest concern at the moment is um whether or not the the frame rate drops that we've seen um are going to be significant and oh. if they yeah. are if it's going to be mostly relegated to playing um docked where the the uh the resolution is higher versus uh handheld sort of like how Zelda had more issues when you played it docked because it was at a it was at a higher resolution than when you played it on the handheld
0: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I really want it to be good. I'm really excited. And Caitlin, you were right; it it is coming out this year on December 1st. I'm
2: yes. <laughs> Let it be known, I had the faith.
0: I I still don't think it comes out December 1st, but that's just me. <laughs> I think it's delayed last minute because we've seen that happen. Rob,
2: I'm going to take a picture on December 1st with me holding my copy of the game, and I'll have a little note that says it came
0: out. Okay, okay. I hope you're right. Uh, I really do want it to be good. I just think that you know something is not sitting right with me with that game. And maybe I I've avoided all of the press coverage for Xenoblade Chronicles back in the day. Like I barely knew a thing about that game until John was like, "Okay, we need somebody to review it," and he asked me to do it. And I was like, "Okay, I have no knowledge with the." Oh, this is great! So, like, maybe that. Maybe if I had seen that game leading up to release as well. I would have had similar no, thoughts. Like I don't know. There
2: was there was barely any press coverage. True. true. Right. Yeah. 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 At least least in in America anyway, there wasn't a whole lot of build up because they didn't really want to release it for the longest time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it it my, looks it looks interesting. Derek yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I I think there are definitely things to be concerned about and you guys brought up all the all the things that I would have and my, my main So like the visuals and stuff aren't necessarily my cup of tea but we'll see how it looks in motion et cetera, et cetera. but the uh the thing that I'm worried about is the the drive system now that they finally explained it a little bit more I really really do not like the generic looking blades yes. that you can well, summon oh, like no, that just no. something about that just like it that totally turns me off because it's like if I'm going to be running around in this big beautiful world I want to have Interesting, engaging characters who I've developed connections with and who continue to grow throughout the story. I don't want to run around with a faceless blade who but just looks like a generic character model. But, but everybody loved Phi from Skyward Sword. No, and that's and the fact all that, I think I that's yeah. the, all
0: I think when I the see the fact them. that they're
1: generic too, and because they said that there are some that you can get that are rare blades that have unique appearances, like the one that they showed off, but. For me, it's like, why would I want to use anybody other than the storyline characters, you know? Like, it's in any in any RPG where they give you a cast of core characters, but then you can recruit generic faceless NPCs. I never, ever use those. No. So, why would
4: you want to? Yeah, I don't really see the appeal of it. I just Like you said, the cabin characters are the driving force of the story, so of course I would like to use, like, sword number X or whatever. And I suppose it's their way of trying to compromise between... A weapon system where you want to buy all the weapons, upgrade the weapons, but have a cast of characters, but they just happen to be in the same pool, because you have the blade system and the drive system, and I, I don't know how it's going to work in the finished product, and I think I'm as worried as you about it. Mm. And I don't really like the look of... Like, it's funny that Rob said that they look like brought up Fi because that's exactly what I thought when I saw the trailer. I thought, oh, look, at Skyward Sword again, exactly what I wanted. No, it isn't.
1: It, yeah, no, nobody know. wants Fi. <laughs> Any Nobody does. So... Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm just concerned about that, because the character designs in this game are already putting me off a little bit, and to have even the main characters being pushed aside for these even more generic-looking blades is like, no, I don't want that. No. I don't want to run around with that. So <laughs> hopefully that's something that, you know, maybe we do have the freedom to not use those depending on how strong they are, um, mm-hmm. or, or to... Maybe there's like a glamour system or something, I don't know, so we can make them not look like crap, but... I guess that's very subjective but that's that's a major concern of mine.
4: No, I think I agree. And I think with everyone else has brought up all the visual problems and that I feel like this is stuck between Chronicles Chronicles X and like Xenosaga's art style shoved in the middle. I'm just kind of not really <laughs> sure with the character designs and the facial movement and things like that. I'm
3: right.
4: not enjoying how anime it looks. I'd kind of wanted it to be in the middle of the other two, the first two games, but I mean, I'm really excited for it because every time I see the environments and the fact that we are again walking on, not dead gods, but this time are they called giants? Um, we're walking on moving titans. giants. It's the Titans, that's right. Yeah. So we're now walking on giant beings. It's like, oh, yeah, this is like Xenoblade Chronicles, exactly what I wanted, but then look at other things. And it's just, it's not mixing together like perfectly at the moment. Right. But Say we've still got a couple of months and... As far as I'm aware, most of the builds are quite finished, so I suppose it's just going to be a case of getting hands on them and seeing how things play out now. But uh, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited. But I'm, having,
0: I'm having an epiphany right now because Alana bringing up the Xenosaga art style, you are 100% right, Alana. Mm. It re- like, Xenosaga episode one is, like, all over this thing, like... yeah. Yeah! Wow! I, I'm an idiot. I didn't put that together. <laughs> like, I haven't even put e- it. <laughs> no. e-
2: I feel. Uh, I feel like Xenoblade X is closer to Xenosaga's art style than this is. This is this is maybe closer to saga Episode Three, maybe Aww. where they kind of they kind of uh, married the more realistic styles of Episode Two with the more anime style of Episode One, but. I don't know. That's that's just me. Okay. Yeah.
0: I we all hope it's good. None of us are right. trying to be negative for the purpose of being you know prov- um, uh, provocative. Like we want it to be good. I just think that you know it just needs to come out at this point. Like there there's so many up up in the air questions. Maybe we get our hands on it and it plays amazingly well, and we're all happy.
1: It could very well be. Yeah, I hope it comes yeah. out good. Yeah. I will
2: be happy, Rob. I'm... I will be happy for you if I have to. <laughs> I'm gonna get a day one
1: regardless. So. I, I, yeah, I mean, of course.
0: Uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of RPGs that I've yet to finish. I still have P5 on my backlog of shame. I don't
1: get how you still. Ha- okay. I, <laughs> I
0: I I just bounced off it. Like I really liked it, but I think it was just time commitment and everything. And then I just got distracted by other games. And I don't know. It just I bounced right the hell off of it. I think it's because I that. That game plays a lot like the other Personas, doesn't it?
4: Uh, It does. It does. But
0: But like, you guys know me, I I tend to get a little bored with, you know, the third or fourth iteration of a similar thing. I mean.
4: (laughs) It's also like two dungeons too long.
3: That's for a different discussion
0: yeah. <laughs> Rob hasn't even gotten that far, though. So I haven't know? even gotten that far. Yeah. So wow. like, I'm I'm guessing that's that's probably part of it. Um and I also just wasn't feeling uh, as close of a connection with those characters as I felt in three and especially four. I just wasn't I I it's not that they were bad. I love Morgana. Morgana's like the best. But I don't know. I, I need to just sit down and do it again. Now that I've got my backlog worked out a little bit, I think I can, if I'm going to do it, it's got to be before Xenoblade. Like, I just got to get it done. Mm, like, hurry the hell up. Yeah. yeah I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looks good. Uh, uh, what is this? I, we've never talked about this series. What, what the hell? What what the hell is Wise? We've never talked about this.
3: Well, <laughs> um, it's
0: actually Y apostrophe
1: S um, Wanderers <laughs> from Wise. Yeah, no, we've talked about these before.
0: You know, yes, we have. You're just... This is this is East uh, the Oath of Elgana, right? Uh, rah, rah. Try again. No, is, it, is it East Keep
1: Origins? I wish. No, I East origins. Third time. That's East Seven. Almost. You're really close.
2: Well, kind of. That came out on PC recently. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's before 7.
1: Chronologically.
0: Chronologically. <laughs> oh, oh, Yeah, no. yeah. No, oh, no. Wait a minute. Wrap that, that around minute. your Wait brain. Are you telling me that East 8 is before E 7
1: chronologically? East 8 is yes. before. Yeah, it's before what? Is it 3 and 4? Or 2 and 3?
2: Isn't. Between? Isn't seven the most recent chronologically? I'm yeah, in holding of- up
0: yeah. two middle fingers right now. Yeah, <laughs> this is just all I'm doing.
4: It is I'm like sure you've got 6 seven. You've yeah, got you're
0: kidding me.
1: Yeah, it. No, no. I wish it was kidding. the most recent, but no, we're not kidding. Well, I guess we haven't really talked about East Eight, seeing as it's been a month since our last episode. Which I'm not getting on your case, Rob. We've all been busy. <laughs> uh, don't cry. Uh, so East Eight, Locky of Donna came out recently. It's on PlayStation 4 and Vita. There's a PC version as well that has been delayed indefinitely as of this recording, but hopefully that makes its way out soon. Both Alana and I played it. We were uh, I reviewed the PS4 version. She reviewed the PlayStation Vita version. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, maybe you've already seen both of our reviews up on the main site. If not, RPGfan.com. Go check the review section. Um, I think overall we both felt pretty positively about it, and we had similar takeaways but, pretty much. Yeah, yeah the uh, the PlayStation Four version of the game does have some additional content that the beta version doesn't have. The specific specifics of which we don't really need to get into too much right here. But um, yeah, so you know, it's it's sort of like your typical East game in that it is a very fast paced uh, action RPG. Combat shines through, as does the soundtrack. Those are like the two main things here. It feels. Um, like previous East games, it just feels great to run around to traverse. This one, I would say even more than ever, I think the Traversal is the fastest in eight than it's ever been. Uh, Wow, I can't talk today. Faster than it's ever been. And, uh, you know, you've got, like, dodge rolls, you've got the Bayonetta Witch Time thing. When you dodge attacks at the right time, you can time flash guards to get a couple critical hits in. um, After you do one of those, I'm kind of all over the place here, but (laughs) the... (laughs) It's East 8's, you know, crowning achievement is it's it's just a really fast, buttery, smooth action RPG that feels great to play. Uh, for me, where it really faltered was in the story and localization. Now, I know that I pay more attention to localization than probably your average person does, but I think that games should be held to a high standard in terms of writing, and if if especially if the writing in Japanese is sufficiently high caliber there's no reason why we should be getting a vastly inferior product in the English release now like you know I don't speak Japanese super fluently I speak it you know decently well so I've looked at some of the dialogue from East 8's Japanese version and I know that I've seen indications of like certain characters having particular accents like uh there are these elemental fairies that Donna finds in her sections of the game and they they have really obvious vocal tics or accents or other features that sort of indicate a particular type of feeling mood personality nuance whatever you want to call it and i don't see that represented in an english version at all well that's that's not a really
4: sorry i never would have picked up on that yeah like that's news to me i mean i did a bit of digging around while i was reviewing it because i could immediately tell that something was off like it's quite funny that we, when I reviewed it, I thought it was quite funny we've reached similar conclusions because you've played every East game and every, most Falcon games, I would assume, and I've played two. And <laughs> I still notice the differences in between Origin and 8, which are the two that I've played. And that was just like, it didn't, it felt completely different story-wise, like the way it was delivered. I know Origin is like a um, a prequel to the entire series anyway, and is more tied into 1 and 2 than in the rest of the series, potentially. Um, Mm -hmm. But there were definitely things that were missing. So, like, even the ticks and the accents is something that I never would have picked up on. But there were things, there were phrases that characters would say that would be far too kind of colloquial or modern that wouldn't be used, I think. I don't remember them being used in origin. It just felt really out of place. And I think both of us referred to the same screenshot in our review where Mm -hmm. Sahad likes Mm -hmm. to... Like to express his bodily functions quite often. It's, it's not something that it just, I. Want it feels off, really but...
1: forced. Like mm. even if they mentioned it in Japanese, I don't like the way that they presented in in the English text. uh A lot of this just feels really flat to me. Like there's no there's no. I, I use the word finesse a lot because I think it's <laughs> I think it's a useful word to capture sort of like if writing has any sense of elegance or if like the person who's doing the writing understands how to play with words or make make characters have subtlety or nuance in the way that they say things. Like, there's no subtlety or nuance in East Eight's script. It's just a lot of, like, this is the tree that we need to go and find. Okay, everyone, are we ready? (laughs) Let's try various things to prepare ourselves for fighting the enemies that we need to fight. Let's explore the island. Like, it's just, yeah, does it get the point across? Duh. Like, do I understand what's happening in the story? Yes. But I, I don't feel anything in terms of, I don't feel a connection to the characters, and I don't feel like the story is, it's not being presented to me in a compelling way. It's just like very matter of fact, very Mm. flat writing all the way through. And I really think that that hampered the experience a lot because the story is, it's fine. And I think by the time you get to the end of it, if you take a step back and you look at where it goes, you're like, okay, this is actually a, you know, relatively uh, genre standard story, but it is still kind of interesting. And some of its twists and some of the characters have um, reasonably interesting backstories but but the way that it's said to you you know what I mean it's like you get an exciting story and it's told to you in such plain speech that you can't help but be like it's like somebody who's really bad at storytelling trying to tell you a story (laughs) Hmm. so so that's kind of the uh the takeaway there that I had with it otherwise I thought that the game was was good overall especially in terms of the exploration of the island um, which I think Yeah, you had similar thoughts on that, Alana.
4: Yeah, it was amazing. Like, again, having only played Origin, where you were limited to the single tower, having an entire island to explore, it was so much bigger than I thought it was going to be as well. So I've obviously got a rough idea of what these games are about, but Lacrimosa Ravdana kind of threw everything out of the water and just went, look, here you go, here's an island on the site like the size of an entire continent of Xenoblade Chronicles X to refer back to the previous discussion and just go, oh look, have a little look around and see what you can do and loot some things and everything, but I really love, um, it's Isle Siren, isn't it, or Siren or something like that Um, Mm
3: -hmm. yeah, there's just
4: yeah, so there is so much to do and so much to look at like, I mean you spend most of the game looking for or parts of the game looking for fellow shipmates um, or crew members that have been shipwrecked along with you and finding them as an absolute delight because they're just hidden in some bizarre places or like picking up items. I just right. really love. Them.
1: Yeah. And then each of the people that you rescue, because the premise of the game is the main character Adol is shipwrecked on this deserted Island. You know, you, you don't have a way to get off because of, you know, various story reasons that you're trapped <laughs> on that Island. So you guys have to make a village and survive this being a JRPG. It's not quite as like, fixated on the minutiae of, uh, you know, how are we going to purify our water source and blah, 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 blah. But they, (laughs) you, you do have to bring people back to your village and each of them um, more or less operates a facility of some kind. Like you rescue one person who's a tailor and she can make you some armor for your characters. You rescue somebody who's a blacksmith. So obviously they work on your weapons, Um, people who can cook things. There's one person who is a, she's a trader. So the fact that you don't have money on the island means that you're just trading resources, like, you know, here's four monster claws in exchange for some accessory or whatever. So every person that you rescue um, is a named NPC with their own personality, backstory, et cetera. And then they each also have their own essential function within the village. So it very much feels like a like a lighter scale, either Skies of Arcadia base building thing or Suikoden building your, your yeah. castle. Um, it's not quite as in-depth as either of those because I think that there's a little bit more especially in End. There, there are so many mm. characters in so many facilities and this doesn't have a lot of um, superfluous stuff beyond just the basic like you essentially you need an armor maker and a medicine maker and stuff so it's not like you can find somebody who will help you put on plays or whatever out of End, but <laughs> but it is still uh, I think a lot of fun to try and find all those people and there aren't a huge amount of them they're like 20 something yeah. Um, but it's it's worth exploring to find them because I think that adds a lot to the game because you, like, you take ownership of the village, it becomes something that you're building up on your own and you don't have to do that as part of the story. There are some people who join regardless, but a lot of it is like when you find them, you feel like, oh man, I, I did it. I, I found this person and that's going to enrich my gameplay experience because of X, Y, or Z. So exploration is a huge thing, I think, in this game.
4: Mm, definitely more than previous ones, cause I suppose. Adult being an adventurer, it's kind of a crucial part. So it's the one that made me feel most like an adventurer. Mm-hmm. Great.
0: I watched a couple gameplay videos of it, and I, I was actually a little intrigued watching it. I got a little bit of a Xenoblade vibe. Um, I am a slut for exploration in video games. Like, meaningful exploration is one of the things I crave in a video game. Like, and give me reasons to go around and look for things
1: and, you know,
0: entice me with, with fun things
1: to find. Right, um, and... And crucially yeah. I think for me so I like exploration too but I like exploration of handcrafted environments where there are meaningful yeah. spots yeah I don't yep. I don't like procedurally generated exploration or it's just like I don't know you found a cave that has you know one of five randomly generated layouts and then a random chest at the end no <laughs> that doesn't work for me I want something like East Eight where they've carefully crafted every single environment by hand and there are reasons to go into the deep corners because you find Here's a vista, and you've recorded that vista in your sightseeing log kind of thing. Or here's a chest that gives you an accessory that is really going to help you through the next area. And if you wouldn't have gone that way, you wouldn't have found it. Um, and the island isn't so large that it's overwhelming. Like it's pretty clear whenever there's a branching path or something. It's like, okay, it does the Metroidvania thing, and that you say you see, you might see something that you can't reach because you need a double jump. Or maybe you need something that lets you breathe underwater to get through that area. So when you mentally make a note of it. And there's convenient fast travel to get around and stuff. So it does a really good job of enticing you to explore off the beaten path and giving you reasons to go back to old areas. Um, And there's also, for me, this was really nice. There's uh, an exploration completion percentage for each area that has, like, amount explored, number of chests found, and Mm. then uh, number of harvesting points found. So I became obsessed with getting 100% of everything, and I (laughs) did it for the entire game, 100% all areas, all chests, everything. So... And I didn't feel like it was an overwhelming task either, because it it took some work, but it wasn't like, oh my god, it's going to take me weeks, and I I can't possibly keep track of all this stuff. The fact that they make it manageable in these small chunks, area by area, and each area being unique, I felt made it a lot easier to accomplish that task. So if you're the type of person who likes exploration, East Eight is the one to get in the series. Also, combat's fun.
0: the, uh, (laughs) The PC version was delayed slightly, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, we definitely. don't know how long oh, at this boy. point <laughs> oh. <laughs> they needed to um, i guess it wasn't running well enough yeah so they I, I,
1: need to work on it i heard from some people who had been um playing the pc version either i don't know if they were reviewing or if it was just like a pre-release beta test type thing there there were some serious issues with like crashing and um oh, like wow. humans that just yeah. frame rate oh, yeah. issues and that kind of thing so that's Not a shame. I, I would probably
0: I, I kinda wanna play it and I'd probably do it on uh PC if I could. So yeah. I, I might mm-hmm. check it out. That might be like a game down the line on a Steam sale if it ever releases for PC. Uh, it, <laughs> it that might well, be a game like down the line
1: that I might pick up. Right. And the nice thing is that you don't need to have played any other East game because even though they are technically all connected, each one stands as its own sort of adventure, like standalone travelog of adults. So you don't have to worry too much about yeah. playing not,
0: my only experience with the series was the little bit of Origins that I played. I got maybe halfway through the one campaign. And I, I liked it, but, I, you know, it, it didn't hold my attention. But I think I said it last time, if I had grown up with that instead of Mega Man, I'd probably be super into the series. You know, like, there there just came a moment in my life where I gravitated toward, like, 2D side-scrollers like Mega Man or Castlevania. But I can see that East East would have fit a nice place in my heart if I had played it a little bit younger, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but cool cool uh looking at the old schedule here i think the only other thing we had was uh derek you played uh etrian odyssey i'm gonna take a guess
1: five that's the one Woo! all right <laughs> so during during the nintendo direct that we recently had where they talked about xenoblade chronicles 2 and octopath traveler they also surprise released a demo for etrian odyssey 5 and it went up right after the broadcast so that was a nice surprise as well um i'm a fan of the etrian odyssey series i actually own all of them and i realized at one point back when etrian odyssey untold 2 came out which was a remake of etrian odyssey 2 on ds uh, that i had all of them including mystery dungeon and i even had all of the versions that came with like the cd soundtracks and then i had the pre-order art book that came with i think three was was the one and i i was like do i really have all this series because i've never beaten one not not one. And and I laid it all out, and I took this picture of it, and I was just like, oh my god, I have this enormous entry Odyssey collection, and yet I have never managed to finish one all the way. That being said, I, I really like the series a lot, because I think that it marries some of the more streamlined aspects of JRPG design that I like with the freedom of a first-person dungeon crawler. Um, and they, they give you so much flexibility in terms of creating character classes and character um, builds and all that kind of stuff. So um, just, I guess, quick preface, if you're not familiar with Etrian Odyssey, these are all first-person dungeon crawlers on the DS at first, and then they moved to 3DS. On the bottom screen of the, the DS, you draw your map for each labyrinth as you're exploring. Now, for me, when I first heard that, I was like, that sounds interesting, but also kind of cumbersome. And, and it kind of is cumbersome sometimes. But over the years, they've made some improvements where um, you can have it auto-map, like, uh, if you're walking, it'll map the floor or any walls that you're you're moving along. And if you've played Persona Q, the spin-off with the Persona 3 and 4 cast on 3DS, that runs in the same engine. So if you're familiar with that, you'd be familiar with what Etrian Odyssey presents to you right out of the gate. Um, so Etrian Odyssey 5 is obviously the latest in the series, and they, they uh, made some adjustments, as they always do with every entry in the game. It's still the same core idea of you make a party of 5 adventurers and you get to totally choose um, what character classes they are, um, name, gender, etc. and you just go into this labyrinth. And this, there's a story, but it's like fairly minimal. It's the, the idea is just you're exploring this labyrinth and uh, at the top of it is Yggdrasil, what, you know, usually like the tree of life and whatever depending on what uh, mythology we're drawing upon here. And you're just trying to get there, because that's what explorers do, right? So you form your party, and you just jump into it. Um, At Odyssey 5's differences stem from the fact that, for the first time, they've separated races and classes. Normally, it was, or previously, it was just you would select your classes, and that was it. Sometimes there was a subclass system of some kind. Um, but this time, we have races, which are a separate thing. So you have, like, basically, more or less, you have, like, humans, elves, gnomes, and rabbit people, Viera, kind of. And each of them has their own distinct available classes that the other classes um, don't initially have access to. There is a way to gain access to them later. But uh, So as a human, you could be like a pugilist. And but Which, by the way, the Etrian Odyssey classes are different in every game. And they're really uh, unique, I think, as far as RPG character classes go because they have a lot of unpredictable sort of configurations. For example, in this one, pugilist is a class, so they're a hand-to-hand fighter. But they're more of a, um, like, enemy debuffer they they can do punches that will bind parts of enemies and binding is a, a big part of the etrian odyssey battle system so you can like bind their heads so they can't use special abilities involving heads so think magical incantations or maybe if they have a horn they can't use their horn or you can bind their arms so if they're enemies that want to swing at you with a uh, a weapon or if they have some kind of like a a sharp hand, like, I'm thinking a mantis or something like that. They can't use those skills. So pugilist in this case, you would think they'd just be like a damager, but they do other stuff. Um, Also things like uh, harbinger is one of them. They use a scythe to do other kind of interesting things to enemies. Or you have the shaman, who's one of the gnome classes, and they can pray to their gods to unleash various beneficial effects. So it's not just straightforward, like, you know, uh, swordsman or paladin or whatever. They all do sort of unique, weird things. So in this one, I'm meandering away from my point here, but (laughs) in this one you have races that are separate from the actual character classes. So if you're a human, then you might have access to something like fishing. And most of the character classes, sorry, excuse me, most of the race skills have to do with exploration. There's a much heavier focus this time on having exploration-minded skills. So to me it calls back almost to a Dungeons & Dragons sort of thing where you want to have somebody in your party like the the gnome type people. Early on they can learn animal care. And if you're in a dungeon, you might need to, more or less, like make a roll—not a roll, because they don't have dice rolls—but like you might need you might encounter a situation that requires handling an animal. For exist, wow, for instance, excuse me, early on in the first labyrinth, there's like a guard who's looking for a bunch of chickens that went roaming free that he was supposed to be watching. If you have somebody with animal handling, you can catch all the chickens and then. Uh, Use it to turn in a quest, you know, and get a reward for it. Whereas if you don't have that, you might have more trouble. Like they might run away from you, or maybe an enemy will pounce on you while you're trying to get the chicken. So it encourages, like, this meld of, when I say role playing, I mean, like, you know, uh, narrative building in terms of how you create your party and also just the mechanics of exploration, uh, dungeoneering, battling, that sort of thing. So I'm getting off topic here, but uh, (laughs) Etrian Odyssey 5. some interesting revisions to the formula and i think that people who played previous games are going to like what they what they did here it it certainly feels a lot more in in the spirit of creating a story than previous games have so i like the demo so far you can level your characters up to level 10 max in it and you can transfer everything over to the full version when that releases in uh, october so i would recommend giving it a try if you haven't played the series before demos free
0: I always judge a game based on whether or not it has a Necromancer, and I believe this game has a Necromancer. It does. It has a
1: Necromancer class, and they use coffins as weapons, and their
0: That's whole thing awesome. is
1: they summon wraiths that they can, like, blow up to do various effects on enemies, or you can sacrifice a wraith to heal your party, so they're almost like a combo healer. It's oh, weird.
4: Wow, That's yeah. really interesting. That's a uh-huh. really nice slice of the class system. So, have you got access to all of the classes in the demo, or just kind of a select?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, you have oh, the wow. thing. It's more or less the entire, it's just the full game, but you only have access to so far into the first labyrinth, like the third floor or so. Oh,
4: wow. No, are, you gonna,
1: are you going to beat this one, Dirk? I don't know, man. See, that's the thing. I like this series <laughs> a lot. I always get really into it. But I, I think there comes a point in every Etrian Odyssey game where I get kind of overwhelmed with choice mm. um, because every character has their own skill tree and you're getting skill points that you're pumping into it. In Etrian Odyssey 5, those skill trees are actually quite a bit condensed. So I think that maybe I won't freak out quite as much this time about having to build the perfect characters. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe I'll beat this one. I got really far into four. I think I beat uh, got to like the fifth labyrinth, and maybe there are only six or so. However, cool uh, trivia about Etrian Odyssey four is we RPG fan are actually in the game. They Ooh. they ran a promotion for a we while. Are. Yeah, we are. Uh, there is an NPC. I think you have to use a QR code to access um, a bunch of quests. And they're given to you by NPCs that are named after a bunch of like gaming publications. And our character's name, if I remember correctly, is like Green Shield with an E. G-R-E-E-N-E, Shield.
4: Um,
2: oh, and we, my gosh, that's so sweet. Yeah, we have
1: a, we have a little quest in there that's uh, that's uh, themed after us because we we talked to Atlas about getting it in there. So check it out. Look for it. I'll have to find the link or something and show you guys. But yeah, I think Entry um, of C 5 is a, a good improvement, and I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Well, now the internet can call out our journalistic integrity for all they want and uh, say that we are nothing but shills for the Etrian Odyssey people. I guess I'll go download the demo. It can't hurt to give it a try. I just yeah, it's free. I I, I go back to like my first experience with a uh, first-person dungeon crawler. I think it was Shining in the Dark for like the Sega Genesis. Oh I just, I yeah, Shining in the, the Dark. Wow. Oh my god, getting my ass kicked by that goddamn <laughs> game. Like awesome. just wrecked. Like. Yeah uh so yeah I, I think the only other thing that i had to talk about was uh my war my xcom 2 war of the chosen review should be going up in a couple of days uh might be up already uh by the time we get this out uh i like that game a lot they added a lot of really cool stuff to it uh the expansion is really really good xcom 2 is one of the best games i've ever played until it very suddenly isn't it is a little buggy. It, it, there are some some issues with logic and pathfinding that can really screw you over. And I, I put in my review. I don't know how anyone could play that game, Iron Man, because with one save and no ability to save scum, I think you're asking for problems with that game. Like there was there was a moment right before we started recording where. Uh, the new enemy type, the zombie-like Lost, which, yes, they put a they, they put a damn uh, zombie class into the game, but it actually works really, really well. Uh, that zombie class is supposed to attack indiscriminately anybody on the battlefield, and every once in a while, the game just gets really screwy with whether or not uh, the aliens are going to be attacked by them or whether the Lost can see the aliens, and that just created a whole problem on a mission I was playing right before the show. So, XCOM... <laughs> XCOM 2 is phenomenal. War of the Chosen is fantastic. I recommend it to everybody, but seriously, save scum that game. Like, just like if you make a bad decision, live with it. And I, I got, you know, nobody tell Jackie. I, I got her killed on a mission. Uh, she, <laughs> she, she served her purpose. She needed to take out the Chosen, the uh, titular villain enemies that uh, are very much modeled after the Shadow of Mordor nemesis system. She was gonna die anyway, and I had her take the shot to end him. But she died on the next turn, um, and I feel very, very bad about that. But uh, well, I that's had, all
1: your marriage vows are worth to you, Rob.
0: I I had to live with the mistake. I had to live with the mistake. But there, there, every once in a while, that game just feels like it's broken. I don't like the way XCOM handles uh, enemy, like the way you encounter an enemy and they get. Uh, to move and grab cover. It can get really screwy when you're fighting one group of enemies, and then you just move one square too far and you activate another whole group of enemies. I really think that's it's dog shit, and they need to fix it like, it, it just can screw you over so bad, and it doesn't feel right, it it feels very glitchy it feels very wrong, and I didn't have any issues with that on this campaign in the 30 hours I put into this campaign, and then all of a sudden, like, three missions in a row, it just became an issue so... Yikes Yep, yeah, it's still a lot of fun, though I just wish Firaxis was a little bit more polished with their games just, just, a,
4: just a little bit polish is so important <laughs> <laughs> I just really wish... Yeah, just so you don't have to save every five minutes. Like that's enough of a like ugh.
3: Yeah,
0: that's how I feel with uh XCOM two is I have to save a lot. And uh I was telling Caitlin before we started, like, I've gotten to the point in my gaming where if a game gets too trial and error, I just refuse to play it. Like <laughs> I and I was having that uh with the dishonored DLC and then I was having that with XCOM two this morning. Like it just wasn't a good weekend of gaming. It was just like a like very
3: frustrating <laughs> you know?
0: like nails on a chalkboard
1: like okay this is getting annoying i'm gonna go back to metroid so this is once again extremely tangential but i was thinking about how you were just saying trial and error stuff in games i remember that you sort of bounced off of what was it uh divinity is that the one that you tried to play with steven
0: yeah and divinity 2 just came out and everybody seems to be absolutely in love with it um okay uh, that game is like calculus (laughs)
1: yeah no thank you but Mm -hmm. I that reminded me of uh you played Pillars of Eternity right yep I tried that one too did you (laughs) did you feel the same about that I
0: I I think I just have come to terms with the fact that I really don't like uh traditional uh CRPGs I didn't like Wasteland 2 I didn't like Pillars of it I I like Pillars of Eternity but I don't like the way it plays um and I bounced right the hell off divinity even though i think that was closer to what i was looking for uh each one of those games had very specific flaws uh wasteland 2's random number generator is actually run by the devil and that <sighs> just that got very annoying to constantly mm-hmm. miss 95 percent chances oh, over, over again
1: the uh, final fantasy tactics school of uh, accuracy hit calculation yes,
0: yes. Yeah. uh pillars of eternity is just too much like when you get a new character class in that game like I got the chanter and I'm like I don't know what any of these skills do and he has 12 of them and now I have to read what each one of these is nope nope I just I turned right the (laughs) hell off that like like that's that I think that's what you were talking about a second ago Derek with like uh character building in Etrian Odyssey like if I'm like mm-hmm. an if I'm an hour into your game and you just threw all of this stuff at me, there are people that are really going to thrive with that. I am not one of them.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm the I same way. Well I get that. overwhelmed by by choice, especially if those choices are um, permanent and I can't go back and undo them. Like, it, as far as I know, most Eternal Odyssey games let you take a hit and like you can reduce your character by five levels to reset your skill point a- allocation. But even that usually. Is a little bit too much for me to deal with because it's like I don't want to totally have one of my characters fall behind when I'm in a dungeon while everybody else is continuing to level and like what if I reset them and then I want to do something else with a different character to complement that so yeah um which is why I appreciated that Etrian Odyssey 5 feels a little bit more streamlined because characters have less battle actions as far as I can tell in this one and more skills having to do with the exploration aspect of it so I don't feel quite as bad putting their points into action skills because it's like okay I have a clearer idea of what I want to do. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, there are people who just love that, but I, I get overwhelmed. So
0: I think XCOM 2 actually does a very good job of limiting your choice at the beginning of the game, and then just opening up more and more. And then when you replay the campaign, you can choose to open things up from the very beginning, because you're like, okay, I have a firm grasp of everything that's going on. I want to play it again but i don't want all of those uh, safeguards in place i think that's the right way to go uh, with divinity uh, original sin the problem is that that game's difficulty curve is just a 30 foot wall when you start like it is just one of the uh one of the most prohibitively difficult games i've ever played where when you first leave the the first town if you do not take these enemy encounters on in the correct order, you just won't win. And and I just, that, it goes against everything about me as a gamer. Like, I just, I don't like walking into a no-win scenario. Like, that drives me nuts. And so, everybody is talking a lot about Divinity 2. If Steven is willing to play with me, I will probably play with him for a little bit. But... The idea of playing that game single player and managing four characters of like all of their character growth, all of their inventories again, some people really, really like that. I just find that way too fiddly. And I just, I have, I've just come to terms with the fact I don't do well with that type of game. I just don't.
1: Neither do I. I get that. Yeah. I I tried, man. I really tried. Well, if you, uh, if you're like me, which I've never played Pillars of Eternity, but. Another reason why I was thinking of it is because I've been reading Jason Schreier's new book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and if you don't know, Jason Schreier is uh, one of the guys who writes for Kotaku, and he uh, put out his first book, it just came out like a week ago or so, and it tells a bunch of game development stories about um, what happened behind the scenes with so many of these games, and really calls to light the the serious problem in the industry with Crunch, um, and how, how desperately people are working overtime and these really long hours just to make games come together and the fact that they come together at all is something of a miracle it's something that i have personally experienced uh in my my albeit limited time working for a a game publisher um when i was doing that localization job i was working like 10 12 hour days and i just felt like because i wanted to keep a certain standard of quality uh while maintaining that same that that sort of like expected level of output anyway um crunch is a real problem in the industry, but I was just going to say, if you're interested in reading about how a lot of these games are made, Pillars of, Pillars of Eternity being one of them, um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, is a really, really uh, illuminating look into those processes, so I would say chuck it out if you're interested in those games from a behind-the-scenes perspective. Cool, cool, yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Stephen will... Get me involved in Divinity, and I'll admit when we played uh, Divinity: Original Sin, the console version at E3 together, that was the right way to play that game. Like, like us co-op. sitting on a couch. Yeah, well, us sitting on a couch right next to each other and playing a co-op.
1: Yeah, that's like, what I meant.
0: Like, like get 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 a few beers, a couple of scotches, and a pizza, and like, oh I yeah, could, like that would be amazing. But my mm. lifestyle just isn't built around that anymore. So, like. You know, trying to find time to play with people online, especially if we're in different time zones, that's really, really tough. And I just, you know, I I wish I could go back to college with Divinity, because I have a group of friends that I think we would have played the ever-loving crap out of that game. Because that way we could have helped each other with, like, the more tedious parts. Like, I just put – I made Steven in charge of inventory management. I said, you're in charge of inventory. I don't want to deal with this. Like, I just – I hate this. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And he's like, you know, organizing everything by color because he's just being Steven. And like, that's, (laughs) like, that's, but like, but that was, he was able to pick up the slack on something I didn't want to do in the game. And I, I just am really getting... I, I know streamlining has become a four-letter word in video games, and people really don't like it. The more you can streamline a game, for me these days, the better I feel. Like, if you just... Remember when I, um, I fired up Tales of Cold Steel, and I just looked at, like, all the menus and all the different things, and I just kind of said, nope.
1: That's not even that complex, though.
0: But it, yeah. but it, but it was still too much. I'm it was still... I'm, like, like...
2: Then then you should stay away from Terrells in the Sky, because it's... Okay. it's more complex yeah
0: i just i think there's a right way and a wrong way to do that um and if a game hits me with that too fast like pillars did with you know 12 new skills for this one character i just picked up and i have no idea how to use them properly in battle that just sucks i i don't want to do that so
1: i feel you
0: yep Mm. okay we've talked about a lot of stuff i think i think we're done are we done i think i think we're we're done done. i think we're yeah i think Mm -hmm. we're done Okay, so uh, thank you everybody for listening to the podcast. Alana, did you have fun on your first episode of Random Encounter?
4: I'll be back, so take that one as you will.
0: <laughs> Jesus, I can't uh, wait. That that was intimidating. I, like guys,
4: that. I I felt like I came across really intimidating. Then I'm very sorry. I no, no, it. no.
0: It's a positive. I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. That way, when everybody <laughs> says we suck, I can just direct them to the Brit. She'll just count <laughs> just be too much uh so yeah we have a lot of games to look forward to going forward uh i should have more free time to get more recordings out there again apologies to our listeners you just you you don't you've never lived until you've seen the opening of a boarding school experience and it's just like
1: well that's living i'm happy to stay dead yeah two and a half (laughs)
3: half
0: weeks of just uh insanity but then and everything's fine
1: Right. Well, maybe uh, one of these days soon we'll hop on and make a spoiler cast for Danganronpa V3. So let us us know if that That, sounds like something you want to hear.
0: That could be really fun. That Mm -hmm. could be really, really fun. All right, everybody, for uh, Derek, Caitlin, and Alana, we will see you all later.
3: Bye. Cheers. See you.